You've just arrived at The Talent Destination, a podcast dedicated to the art of building a company your team will love. If you hang around and listen, you will experience what it's like to work at Refine Labs and learn effective strategies to create the conditions for people to do the best work of their lives. Now to this episode. I'm your co-host, Megan Bowen, Chief Operating Officer at Refine Labs, and I am joined today by my fearless co-host. Hi, everybody. This is Jessica Williams. I'm the Vice President of People here at Refine Labs, and I am super excited for today. We're going to be talking about the employee experience and what do we do here at Refine Labs to make sure that our employees stay engaged. Um, We have a lot of fun programs. Not going to lie, I have hundreds of more ideas, but this is a starting point for us. And so Megan's going to kick us off with her favorites. Awesome. So I'm really excited to talk about, I think, three really important key pillars to our employee experience. I want to touch on our onboarding experience, our feedback process, and our flexible work guidelines. And so let's let's go into those one by one in more depth. And so onboarding is the first impression, right? And so this is where all brand new employees, after they accept an offer, what they experience between offer acceptance and actually getting started at the company. Jordan, on your team, Jessica, does such an amazing job, even prior to the start date, to communicate a ton about what to expect their laptop coming, um, some fun get to know, you know, get to know you questions to create the new hire spotlight, sending the onboarding schedule in advance of the start date. So there's all of these activities that are happening before the employee, before the team member actually starts. So they feel connected even before day one. So they get a music playlist. So like, what sort of music do we like to listen to here? We tell them to add their own music too, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And the the goal is that by the time they, they get to day one, they feel really excited to be there, right? We all have that feeling of anxiety after we accept a job offer, like, oh, is this was this the right decision? Is this going to be a good move? And so the intent is to really over-index on communication and fun to give people a peek into what it's going to be like when they officially join the team. The first few weeks are pretty well mapped out, but not death by PowerPoint, right? There's a really nice mix of shadowing and sessions you know, related to their roles the, pr- the presentation of an individual success plan to clearly align on expectations and what great looks like in the role. Um, time with our CEO, Chris Walker, to really understand the vision and where we're going. Meet and greets with different departments so that they have a chance to meet as many people as possible. They get to introduce themselves in front of the whole company. I'm sure I'm missing things. Anything I'm, I'm missing that comes to mind, Jessica, that we prioritize in onboarding? Their spotlight. So they do a new hire spotlight where they get to tell us all about themselves and the things that they like outside of work in pictures because we all want to see pictures. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So the the onboarding experience, it's, it's interesting, actually. Right now, I know you and the team are partnering with our newly formed enablement team, and we're in the process of figuring out how we can take are already pretty stellar onboarding to the next level, right? And especially with some of our key roles, like our director of demand general, performance marketing manager, designer, copywriter, 
these are all of our client-facing roles, and we're essentially always hiring for these positions. And I know you're you guys are doing a deep dive with the leaders of those teams to really figure out what's the most important content, what's the most engaging experience and schedule. How do we sequence everything that they need to know over a period of time and reinforce that? Any like sneak peeks that you wanna you wanna drop? I know this is an in process project right now. Yeah, so we're in the middle of it. But one of the things we've really been talking about is more videos. So right now, it's a lot of meeting with the team, which is great. But we want to do some standardized videos. So have the leaders record videos and then have them in meetings where they can ask questions um, so that they're more in a a group setting. It's then one-on-one. Videos is going to be our newest adventure. So we're going to be recording a lot of Loom videos, but also videos for them to personally get to know their leader and then have one-on-ones with them so they don't feel like they're on the spot whenever they're like, oh, do you have questions? Well, you just talked and no, I don't, you know? So that's something that we're going to do. We've been getting a lot of good feedback on sort of the self-directed learning, like everybody kind of learns differently. And so that's a big component. Obviously, we where we have sessions where people are walking new team members through different you know processes or procedures or how we do things. But a lot of people like to consume information on their own, let, let it digest. And like you said, then have a chance to really think through some thoughtful questions to better internalize the material. So this is something that like we'll never be done with, right? Like we're always going to want to continue to make it better and better and better. One of the things that we've done since the beginning is the one week check-in. And so after one week, we find out what went well, what could we have done better. We're constantly getting inputs and feedback that we then build into the process based on the good ideas we learn from our team. Yeah. And now we're doing 30, 60, 90 day check-ins too. So after 30 days, we ask you, what do we do? You know, and we keep checking in to see what could we do better? Because onboarding is even past the 90 days, but truly the first 90 days is when my team is very immersed in their onboarding. Absolutely. We're, we'll are we have a whole nother episode just dedicated to onboarding and we'll bring Jordan on. That'll be super fun. I could go on and on and on about this topic, but let me jump to the second one, which is feedback. And so This has been super important from the beginning to me. I really believe that in order to create a culture that people love, a place to work that people love, it's about understanding how their experience is and what could be better, what's great about it. So you need to develop and implement various feedback systems so that you can keep a pulse on what's going on. And so some of the things that we have implemented at Refine Labs, we do quarterly engagement surveys. We ask the same quantitative questions on themes like leadership and enablement and professional development and alignment. Um, So that allows us to get, you know, quantitative measures over a period of time to see trends where we're improving, where we're not improving, where we're plateauing. But then we also ask a lot of open-ended qualitative questions to get feedback from the team on what's working well, what's super frustrating about your job, what benefit or perk would you like to see, right? Like, open-ended feedback. What else would do you want to share? So those quarterly surveys have been crucial. We make sure to share results, develop an action plan, and execute on that action plan every single quarter. We do it very quickly. I've never done these things so fast. <laughs> it reinforces the feedback cycle, right? If you show people, I hear you, I'm going to do something about it. This is what I'm going to do. And then you do it. People are going to be more likely to want to provide feedback on an ongoing basis because they see 
that their voice matters and that if they share that feedback, action will be taken. And if it's something we can't do, because, you know, sometimes people have ideas that we like it, we can't do it right now. We tell them that. So we say like, hey, we hear you. This is something that we're, we're going to work to, but this is not going to happen in this next quarter. And that's really unheard of. A lot of times people just don't acknowledge the things that they don't want to do. So I think it's a big deal that we even acknowledge those things. Completely agree. And I actually, especially in a smaller company, I've typically been against anonymous feedback, but you implemented some anonymous pulse surveys recently that have actually been really helpful. Talk a little bit more about that, because I was a little on the fence and I know you and Chris really wanted to try it out. So I was like, okay, let's see what happens. But I'm really glad that we did it. So talk more about the pulse surveys. They have been very, very helpful. So basically periodically and they go out to different team members at different times. It's not all, they don't all get the same question, but it's five questions and it goes through their experience here, their employee well-being. Um, do they feel like they are psychologically safe? So these are questions that are completely anonymous and they can put comments in there. So we have found that people, you know, people here definitely feel like they can speak up. So if they want to say something, they will. We've actually had people sign their names, even though it's anonymous, they sign their name anyway, which is fine with us. But it's a way for us to get a pulse, so a quick pulse. So every week I can see what our employee NPS score is, which right now, shout out to us, it's at 95%. So 95% of our employees would recommend us to a friend or family member. So that's really, really unheard of. (laughs) And so it gives us a pulse of what's going on. And it actually, what I use it as is a data point. So if there's other things that are going on in the company, I can go look and see like where are we at in these data points and then use that to get more information. So it's an additional data point as well as our employee engagement, which is not anonymous. So I can see who's saying what. And so it gives us a lot of data, but the poll surveys have been very, very helpful. And people can do, it takes less than 10 minutes and it's information we can look at every single week and set up on a quarterly basis. Yeah, it's been a great addition. I'm so glad that we're doing this. Something that I tried at a recent meeting, and I'm still actually been thinking about whether it was really a good idea or effective or not, but I want to share here because part of part of what we're doing, I think, is also sharing new ideas and ways of thinking about things, whether they work great or if we're still kind of figuring out if it's going to be effective. We're implementing some org design changes recently in the company. There were some growing pains as we were moving through the implementation of that process. And we got a group of people together that had a lot of opinions and feedback on this. And I wanted to source their feedback, but I wanted to make sure that the live conversation was more solution focused versus problem identification focused. And so I put together a quick Google form and live on the meeting, I had everybody hide video and audio and just complete the survey asking for constructive feedback live. And then I opened it up for a discussion on solutions. And so I wanted to do this for a couple of reasons. I wanted to make sure that everyone could share their view without being biased or influenced by what other people were saying. So I was really curious, are we going to get different answers from different people versus going around on a Zoom call and having everybody share their feedback top of mind and each person saying, yeah, me too, me too. And then when we transitioned to the live conversation, I opened it up for people to share actionable ideas for solutions. We took all of that and ultimately we had enough data to then take to the leadership team and devise a follow-up action plan based on those feed, you know, the critical feedback as well as some of the 
ideas for solutions. And so, you know, I think it was it was interesting. It was an interesting way to run a meeting. And I'm, I still want to kind of like think about this a little bit more and fine tune it. But um, something I hadn't done before, so I thought was worth sharing as another way that we attempted to get feedback to inform action plans. I thought it was great, to be honest. So my two cents is it made the meeting solutions focused. So it was not all, this is bad, this is doom and gloom. It was write it all down. And from a leadership perspective, we then had all the data because it is so hard. People are talking. And even if you have someone in there taking notes, it's hard to get it all down. So have them write their own words and then let's focus on the solution. So as far as feedback goes, I think, especially if it's a, a critical conversation, highly recommended. I would do it again. Absolutely. And my last feedback tip before I move to flexible work guidelines is for me, I think, especially as a leader, in addition to the implementation of these types of systems and recurring, you know, feedback cadences, it's really important to just pounce on opportunities to provide and receive feedback on the fly. And so at any point, I always try, if I have feedback to share with a team member, I find an opportunity to share it as soon as possible, if appropriate in a meeting or if better delivered, you know, one-on-one outside of a group setting, we'll do it that way instead. And similarly, inviting feedback from people when appropriate can be really helpful to kind of infuse that culture where people feel just really comfortable being truthful and sharing what they really think at any point in time. It speaks to psychological safety. Definitely. All right. So flexible work guidelines. And so this is something that we introduced in 2021 at Refine Labs, probably when we were at about 45 people, if I remember correctly. And the intent here was we always talked about being a flexible workplace, but we were never specific enough. So what happened was because we weren't specific, people were unclear what the boundaries were. And I think we're not fully taking advantage of the environment that we wanted to create. So what we realized was it's great if you want to have a flexible work environment, but you need to write those things down and you need to communicate those things to people so expectations and boundaries are really clear. And so our flexible work guidelines include things like you don't have to work a set specific hours, but you are responsible to meet your deliverables you know, meet your client commitments, et cetera. So within guidelines, craft your own schedule. But these are the things that are really important that you need to commit to achieve, show up for. You'll talk about this a little bit more, but how we think about time off and creating some structure around that while also giving people the freedom to do what they need. Additionally, things like providing clear expectations to their team members, block off your calendar when you're not free, let people know when you're out of office. Let people know when you sign into Slack and, and check email, right? It's that additional communication allows you to make the choices that you want to make. And everybody knows when they can reach you, where they can reach you, and you know when you're off the clock and when it, it'll be more appropriate to, to leave you alone. So our flexible work guidelines, um, and I don't want to steal because you're going to get into some cool stuff that are like components of this, but the, the main takeaway that I wanted to hit on was you have to write down what is acceptable or people are not going to do it. You know, unlimited PTO is not enough. You'll talk a little bit about this as well. And so I think the, the key is commit to it, but actually write it down, communicate it, document it, share it with your team in whatever form makes sense for you. So I'll stop talking 
and pass it to you. I have a funny story about the flexible work guidelines. So um, I had a new talent advisor start on my team and I was doing a one-on-one with her her first day. And she said, what time do I need to log in? And I said, oh, that's not something that I care about. And the look on her face was like, what? <laughs> she was she was completely in shock. And I said, oh, no, no, no. You log in. You tell me when is best for you. If you're a morning person, if you're, you know, you, you're a night owl, just the work is going to be done. And she was a recruiter. So I'm like, the numbers are going to show. So you tell me when you need to be doing things. And she um, came from a government agency. So that was just unheard of for her. So it was just the funniest. I wish I would have recorded the look on her face when I said, I don't care about that. <laughs> um, you You do your work when you need to do your work. So I thought that was was a really funny one. But now that she's been here, she absolutely loves it. But the flexible guidelines gives people freedom. You're going to be treated like an adult. Now, some people can't handle that, but those people are not here. (laughs) Those people are part of our finals. (laughs) It's so true, right? You want to take a yoga class at two o'clock? Go ahead, right? You need to like run an errand and take care of a personal thing? Go ahead. Take care of that at two in the afternoon, whatever it is, like you know, we all can focus on delivering our on our commitments um, while also living our lives. But let me kick it over to you. Why don't you continue this thread and share a little bit more about some of the different pillars that we've stood up with respect to our employee experience? Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about this, but the two that I'll kick us off with is the no meeting Fridays and then the unlimited PTO. So when I started here, I saw on my first day that all of my Fridays were blocked off. And for some reason, I didn't look at what it was. I thought it was like a meeting I had to attend every Friday. And I thought, this is crazy. Like I'm going to have to be in an all day meeting every Friday. And then I realized, no, no, this was my calendar being blocked off. So I would not have meetings and I was floored. So the no meeting Fridays is such a huge deal for my team, for the people team. We call that our project days. So that's the days where we are head down. What's a project that you're working on for my recruiters? Is there a role that's like top notch for you? You need to be sourcing. How are we utilizing this time where we do not have meetings? And I'm very um, strict about unless it is very important, we will not meet. And I actually don't even talk to my team on Friday unless I have to. Like I truly leave them alone. This is heads down, get some work done day and it makes a difference. So a lot of our time is in and out of meetings or you're getting pinged for one thing or another. And on Fridays are the days that I get the most work done. No, I love it too. And at first I was terrible with it, if I'm being honest, but I've been a lot more strict with blocking the day for real focused work time. We also tell our clients about no meetings Friday. So even if you're client facing and working directly with clients, we let them know that this is a company policy and we're not going to be scheduling client meetings on Friday as well. So it's not, it's for every single person at the company and all of our clients that we've communicated this to say, that's great. I get it. Like, sounds good. We can meet Thursday or Monday, right? So it hasn't been an issue. And I think that's big. Not a lot of other consulting firms necessarily could say that, I think. And I think it has to come from the top down and everybody has to respect it. I have been places where we said we had these things, but everybody was still putting things on the calendar. And it was really just that we're saying it, but no one was actually doing it. 
I can say here we are actually doing it. Like people are not meeting on Fridays. <laughs> Wonderful thing. And next up is unlimited PTO. So I recently did a podcast where we talked about is unlimited PTO really like a scam or is it really a value add? And there is a way for it to be done. And it is a value add here because we have a minimum. If you just say you have unlimited PTO, but then one, people are afraid to take it. Or if management is actually not taking it, then it's actually not good. It's actually a little bit unhealthy. But here, our management team is very vocal about their vacations. Um, shout out to Chris Walker, who loves to, he comes back with epiphanies and tells us all about his <laughs> vacations. But on top of that, we also have a minimum. So you are required to take a week at least every six months. And if you don't, we can see it in the system. Jordan and I will reach out to you and say, you need to put some time on the calendar. Like you need to take some time off. And we are very serious about it. So we actually do go look like Jordan and I will pull a report. Have you taken time off? And if you don't, if you've only taken like a day or two, we're going to reach out to you. Like you will hear from us and you need to take some time off. So the minimum is the key because if you don't have that or if it's not being modeled, then people won't take it. And I've been at companies where we have had an unlimited PTO. I did not feel like I could take any time off. And we are striving to really change that. I think that probably you're finding a few more people than I would like that uh, have not taken time off. So I think we, we still have a little bit of room for improvement there. But all of the actions that your team are taking are reinforcing how important this is and really giving people the nudge that need it to, to take a break. And then final thing that I want to talk about that is amazing is our new minimum salary requirement. So hot off the press. I know I'm like hot (laughs) off the press. This is effective May 1st. So every employee at Refine Labs will make a livable wage, which based on research and statistics and things that I've done to get more knowledge about this is $75,000. So every employee, I'm going to say that again, every employee at Refine Labs makes a minimum of $75,000. This is unheard of. There were tears shed when I told the team members that this impacted. Um, I had an employee say, I never thought I would actually make this much money, which my heart was like, no, don't say that. You're going to make more than this, you know? So, but that's just me being me. But this is going to have a tremendous impact when we think about our recruitment efforts. And we have people all over the U.S. and Canada. So in major cities, can you live off of this amount? And based on the research I've done, we can. And so this is going to have a major impact. So we have a company minimum. So Megan, do you want to say anything about it? I'm so excited. You could not hear from my voice. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm so happy we were able to do this. And just to give people a peek into the journey here, right? You know, we've bootstrapped the company and we've maintained, you know, sustainable, profitable growth since the beginning. That said, though, it took us until, you know, now in order to implement this. And it did require that we had to get the business to a level of scale and volume further develop our offering, increase our price for our services so that we were able to implement this new policy, right? And so we weren't able to do this from day one, but we had a commitment to sustainable growth, to positive and healthy unit economics in the business, to continuing to improve our gross margin in our service delivery so that we can do this, right? And so these types of policies, it's really important to understand, like, I'm sure everyone would want to do all of these types of perks and benefits, but the foundation is actually building a 
sustainable, profitable business with healthy unit economics. And that has been the commitment from day one. So that as the business, you know, grew and scaled, then we would be able to do things like this. And we'll save it for another episode. But last week, we had a great brainstorm with the executive team on what a talent destination really is, right? And we have our aspirational things that we want to continue to figure out. At what point can we introduce even more different and cooler benefits and, you know, perks to the team. And so it's important that people understand that like these types of decisions are rooted in strong, fundamental, good business practices, right? And that that's really the path to get to the point where you can offer your team these types of benefits or policies. And I can't leave this discussion without saying something about DEI. So these type of employee experience initiatives, if you are a working parent, if you are a person of color, if you are a person with a disability, we now have a channel for people that are neurodivergent. Like all of these things, this is the place for you. Come work at Refine Labs. Like we will respect you. This is the place that you should be. And we will make accommodations for you, whatever that means. So the employee experience is so much more than like, everyone be happy and let's give people things. No, it's about like, what is the entire experience for you as a person, even outside of your work. So it's even more than what are you doing here? It's how do you feel when you leave work? So it's more than that. So if any of those things apply to you, apply. We want to hear from you. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'll wrap us up with, you know, people have probably heard me say this before, but people success equals customer success equals company success. And this is the first of probably several several episodes that we're going to do on the employee experience. We're really just scratching the surface to give you guys a peek in the box of, of what is happening today at the company. But we have a lot more that we can dive into relative to this topic. And it's all about putting your people first ultimately to drive positive customer outcomes and positive company outcomes as a result. So with that, I think we should wrap this episode. Remember, don't just build a company, build a talent destination. Woo-woo! <laughs> Let's do this. Side effects of listening to this podcast include, but are not limited to, increased employee engagement, retention of high potential employees, and becoming a badass in the people, talent, or operations space. If you're looking for a new role, Refine Labs would love to hear from you. Go to refinelabs.com careers for more insight into amazing opportunities at our fully distributed workforce.